Hello, my friends, and welcome back again to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 66. Uh, So let's open up with a prayer, please. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of body, and life everlasting. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. And Saint Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I have another article here. Uh, from the University of Notre Dame, uh, Church Life Journal, um, a journal of the MacArth Institute for Church Life. Um, it's by Chase uh, Patosnake. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I'm sorry if I butchered it. Um, subject is Cardinal Sarah's warning to the West. So I'm going to skip the scripture reading. Um, this one is titled, uh, April 23rd, 2020. And, um, I have a great respect for Cardinal Sarah. I was actually hoping he would become Pope, but the Holy Spirit makes his own choices. So let's begin. A short time ago, relatively The small new European world was easily seizing colonies everywhere, not only without without anticipating any real resistance, but also usually despising any possible values in the conquered people's approach to life. On the face of it, it was an overwhelming, um, overwhelming success. There was no geographic frontiers, limits, to it. Western society expanded in a triumph of human independence and power, and all of a sudden in the 20th century came the discovery of its fragility and uh, frability. I'm not too sure I said that correctly, but let's continue. We now see that the conquest proved to be short-lived and precarious, and this in turn points to defects in the Western view of the world which led to these conquests. Relations with the former colonial world now have turned into their opposite, and the Western world often goes to extremes of super severance. I know I said that wrong, but let's continue. But it is difficult yet to estimate the total size of the bill which former colonial countries will, will present to the West, and it is difficult to predict whether the surrender not only of its last colonies, but but of everything it owns, will be sufficient for the West to foot the bill. This is actually by Alexander Salensian, Harvard Address. Well, earlier this year, Cardinal Sarah found himself at the center of a renewed debate about clerical celibacy. His new book, 
from the depth of our hearts, which he wrote with Pope Benedict Emeritus, argues for a necessary link between celibacy and the priesthood. Some Catholics citing the initial co-authorship of Pope Benedict's have seen this argument as a rebuke of Pope Francis' willingness to ordain uh, so-called veri propti, men whose character and faith make them candidates for ordination in, in, in regions where the shortage of priests is most acute. The typical ideological lines of demarcation have appeared. Some outlets laud the book's dedication to tradition and foresight, while others, other ones question his motives. Perhaps he is manipulating Pope Benedict, using respectful figures to draw a line in the sand. Although Cardinal Sira often speaks about topics such as gender ideology, his recent book, The Day is Now Far Spent, is substantially more complicated portrait of the, of the uh, Guinean cleric. His love of the Latin Mass and opposition to contraception, both features in the book, length interview. However, what surprisingly lurks between the covers of this particular book is a strong commitment to Pope Francis' holistic vision of the Church. More specifically, Cardinal Sarah spends pegs upon pegs, highlighting two, uh, two sicknesses that he believes define our era, capitalism and neocolonialism. While the African parallel sometimes sounds not unlike vocal American first Catholic, a thoughtful reading of his statements make clear that these are incidental similarities, not ideological concerns. Take, for example, his stance on the European refugee crisis in an interview with the French magazine, all right, I won't pronounce the name, he appeared to contradict Pope Francis' opposition on immigration, saying it is better to help people flourish in their cultures than to encourage them to come to a Europe in full decadence. It is a false exegesis to use the word of God to promote migration. His reasoning, however, is not that migrants pollute or corrupt the cultures they enter. Instead, the day is now far spent. He notes that the Europe display of oligarchic tendencies it takes in refugees with false promises only to stick them in camps, stealing away their God-given rights. This is his words, I believe. In Europe, the migrants are deprived of their dignity. Human beings are parked in camps and condemned to wait without anything to do with their days. In France, the Calice jungle was a disgrace. How is a man without a job supposed to find genuine fulfillment? The culture the cultural and religious uprooting of Africans thrown into Western countries that are themselves going, going through an unprecedented crisis in a lethal, com, uh, lethal composite. Totally agree with him. So um, I agree with him on that one because a lot of them um, in the West, they're looking for cheap labor. We know that. We know that um, there's a lot of people that actually, it's funny, what was his name that ran for president? Uh, Cato, Cato O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke. He was, um, you know, talk, he was lamenting because Trump was stopping the immigration 
uh, elite, a lot of the immigration and he was lamenting who's going to fix your dinner, who's going to clean. I mean, he was literally looking at them as subservient. He was literally talking about people, immigrants, as subservient people. It was Beto O'Rourke. And you have to really consider that there are reasons why they want this. The Europeans allowed people from Asia and the Middle East to come work in Europe, but they didn't give them citizenship. In France, you could come from the, from the Middle East, from North Africa, and you could be born there and educated there, but you'll never be a French citizen. You'll never be looked on as equal as a, as a uh, ethnic French and a nationalist, they'll never look at you that way. In Italy, it's the same thing. And these people are left to live in slums. In, in a lot of places, they live in ghettos. So here, unfortunately, what happens is, is that, yes, there are people on one end who have a national populist attitude. So uh, the cardinal does not lay the blame for their migration at the feet of the refugees, but instead roundly criticizes European countries and global corporations for th this de debasement. Entire nations have been ravaged economically by the unscrupulous multinationalists that pillage national economies, neo-colonial uh, policies that... Uh, infantilized uh, governments are a disgrace. Uh, it, is it any surprise then when populations flee such situations in streams, they conceal the truth and they dare to wonder whether it is necessary to welcome the populations that arrive on the European shores? And, and, and I am not even talking about the mafia-like practices of those who exploit migrants' uh, poverty. A good example. Um, I just saw this very um, disturbing movie called Uncut Gems. And uh, in the film, it talks about a particular stone found in Ethiopia that's dug by uh, very impoverished, very poor people. And it is awful, uh, awful, awful stone. It's like a blue-like stone. And this particular character... Um, uh, basically, he he bought it. He bought it on the on the black market, and he his intention was to sell the stone to get millions on the Diamond District auction block. And there's a lot of craziness in it. He borrows money from the mob, and but the point is, the stone itself to get it to get it out. It starts off with a very very um, a cave in. In, a, in, a, in the diamond mines um, in Ethiopia. And this young man, his leg is badly damaged. You could, it was very violent. I mean, he, you know, he, I, I don't even know. I mean, who knows? I mean, those are, these are things that happened. But the ones who were helping, who were investing in digging the stone were Chinese. They were, they were, they were from the communist China. And who knows how these people are getting paid? These people are getting paid probably very you know cheap and the working conditions are horrible and dangerous and then it shows you one layer after another layer the black market layer the abuse the exploitation and you see how these poor people out of desperation are forced to make desperate decisions so he's right you can't blame this on the migrants because they don't have the money and 
you see a lot of the situation. And then this stone makes its way here in the United States, and I'm sure in places in Europe. You know how it came in in the film? He had a delivery, and it was an icebox, and in the icebox was fish, like this big fish, and the stone was stuffed in the fish because that's how you know it was illegal. It was wrapped up, and it was stuffed in the gut of a fish. <laughs> it was It was hilarious. And it goes to show you, I mean, the lives. And then someone else profits from it. Someone else profits from it millions, makes millions off of it. And at the bottom, a lot of people get trampled on. Um, so um, he goes further criticizing the West and Europe in particular for their hollow humanism, countries and no-goes, he says, organize humanitarian conferences by day and sell weapons at night, diplomats and decision, uh, decision makers, put armed contracts and resource extraction before the lives of thousands of Yemenite children, relying a heartbreaking story about some of his countrymen who died in ships, uh, refrigeration units en route to Europe. He decries the death of countless impoverished Africans. These horrors lead people to act to acts of terrorism, in his view. Muslims are our brothers. Speaking of his peaceful relationship with fellow people of the book in, 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 in uh, Guinea, he blames uh, uh, salesmen and his counterparts on Europe's spiritual emptiness and refusal to care for the least of these. Quoting Pope Francis Ladasso C, Cardinal Sira preaches the need for Catholics to steward the environment, saying that the financial interests of multinational companies are among the greatest threats to God's creation in Africa. He comments, we know this exploitation of the, of the interests of the poor. They, they pollute the environment and leave the continent in ep, uh, endemic poverty. At length, the carnal condemns the ways in which uh, mineral-rich mineral Africa, having endured the colonialism of ages past, must now endure injustice upon injustice. Their riches are, are plundered, their homelands, national treasures left in shambles. Alas, Africans know all too well, these are his own words, the problems associated with destruction of nature. Their minerals and their natural resources are often shamelessly pillaged and placed on the altar of financial interests. The rich countries do not care about the hu uh, human and social consequences that they cause for defenseless populations. Although we might suspect that Cardinal Serra would dilute his criticism by making these problems merely spiritual sicknesses, he warns explicitly that actually existing capitalism is the primary problem. His interviewer, <clears throat> Nicholas Dyat, asks him about the pantheon of modernist idols. The uh, Guinean parallels cuts the chase of retorting the idol of money dominates the other. Many money runs the world. The worship of the golden calf is an obsession of the modern world. Perhaps taken aback, Dyat inquires how Cardinal Sarah's judges the truth of capitalism in practice. We might expect him to back down. He, however, does not. A semantic shift has occurred. We no longer talk about capitalism, 
all about economic liberalism or about decentralized economy. The proponents of capitalism think that free competition is the only way to make progress. The Cardinal continues, In reality, capitalism is based on the ideal of money. The lure of gain gradually destroys all social bonds. Capitalism devours itself. Little by little, the market destroys the value of work. Man becomes a piece of merchandise. He is no longer his own. The result is new form of slavery, a system in which a larger part of the population is dependent on a little, a, a little uh, caste. He concludes with some cold realism. In these conditions, do solidarity and development still have any meaning? From this point, the cardinal, despite his condemnation of Marxism, he even begins to use language reminiscent of the tradition. Citing the French novelist Emile Zola, he marks that even though some Christian bosses tried to protect workers in the 19th century, the spirit of capitalism spread its law of domination, employing its, its twisted logic to undermine their efforts. The Connell speaks of proletarist that was, was living in miserable, undignified conditions. The least of these found themselves crushed by dominant uh, class. These historical conditions have led to a contemporary injustice. Democracy itself no longer functions properly with the rich buying un undue rep uh, representation and the poor left trampled and underfoot. Democracy is sick and the government of the people by the people has become the subjugation of the people by high finances. These material realities lead to spiritual sickness. Bishops, priests, prize popularity, enrichment, and the ways of the world to the exclusion of defending the poor and marginalized. In rebuking them, Cardinal Sierra notes that the common good is the only objective. We must, he argues, return to a contemplative attitude, an approach that re resists our are becoming more consumers, thrown to and fro by marketing, ignoring the plight of millions of people and natural resources that our lifestyle oppresses and degrades. A policy of unlimited productivity inevitability leads to human cultural or ecological catastrophe. Consumerism is a utopia that corrupts and debases man to the purely earthly level. There's this religion of immediacy looks only to the profit motive. Man no longer counts. He is bothersome. In some cases, why not replace him with robots? I think it's urgent for us to become requited with the experience of uh, gratuitousness. Most profoundly human acts are criticized by gratuitousness. Um, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's the uh, prerequisite for friendship, beauty, study, contemplation and prayer. A world without uh, gratuitousness is in an inhuman world. I call on Christians to open uh, open these these things in the, the desert of triumphant profitability. In other words, to... Um, wish I can look up this word here. Hold on. Let's see if I can... Okay, okay, gratuitous, uh, unlacking, 
good reason, unwarranted. All right, I figured that out. Okay, well, sorry about the mispronunciation. In this sense, the cardinal is not unlike Pope Francis. So he's unlike uh, Pope Francis here in the fact he quotes the Holy Father throughout the book, even dedicating it to both him, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, as well as Pope Francis. His ultimate goal is unity in the silencing of voices that would try to rend and tear the church. The day is not far spent at times has him sounding more like socialists and communist radicals than like comfortable pop Catholic pundits. I suspect that Cardinal Serra is well aware of this. Uh, looks can be deceiving and humankind cannot bear very much reality. How else can American readers be so blind as to have completely ignored these uncomfortable truths that trouble Cardinal Serra so much? Our narrow American point of view obscures the way in which we which a cleric writing from an African perspective calls us all to fundamentally reflect on how we live our lives, to discern how we participate in these manifestly unjust systems of global terror. Carnal Sarah should not be so easily ignored by an American Catholic. His words stand as a rebuke, reminding us of what St. Paul, drawing on the Psalms and Ecclesiastes, writes in his letter to the Romans. There is no one just not one Romans 3 chapter uh, chapter 3 verse 10 alright so uh, I have to agree with this um, he's okay the problem is is because we live here in the United States and we tend to view things differently what I mentioned to you earlier in that movie Uncut Gems the character uh, I think played, played, played by Adam Sandler uh, plays a Jewish man who is obsessed with gambling. He gets a high from it. He gets an unbelievable high. I mean, he just can't help himself, and he's he he can't hold, he can't control his passions. He can't control his lusts. He can't control his mouth because he keeps he keeps boasting. And he, you know, as soon as he gets the stone, this awful stone, which is as a strange bluish. Uh, texture uh, reflection to it he uh, actually boasts in front of this basketball player and the basketball player wants to hold on to it and he reluctantly gives it to the basketball player but at the same time he gets something from him which is probably what he wanted and then he puts it on auction to make us uh, so, uh, he goes to the not auction he goes to a, a pawn shop he needs money He's desperate for money. And then what he does is he uses that to make a bet so he can get the money so he can pay back the mob or to use the money again so he can invest further. It's crazy. He just puts himself in a cycle, a circle. He overindulges. He, he's obsessed with money and he's obsessed with betting. He can't control himself. And that's us. We're a consumer culture and... We don't care how, th how things come to us. We don't care where the, the parts that make up our cell phone and our tablets and our computer come from. We don't care who's at the bottom because we're not looking. We don't, you know, as long as it doesn't affect me, 
I don't have to uh, go out there and, you know, worry about how how this came to me, how this gives me pleasure. The parts to my phone, the parts to my PlayStation, the parts to my Nintendo, the parts to my computer. We don't care where the resources come from. So why should it worry us? But you have to think about it. What are the, the pains and injustices that happen to these people? And these people basically are caught in a between these these titans big corporations and politics from other countries and they exploit these people there's a reason why these people come from over the border and come here but they also find themselves in in just as bad conditions many of these migrants who come from south america uh are working off the books I know sometimes I see the, I see these guys in the morning. They're they're in a corner by the alley or by the subway station. I live by an area where there's elevated train, and you see a lot of them laying laying out over the weekend. They spend their money on alcohol and everything. They're not happy. They're miserable. They're separated. Either they're separated from their family, or they're running away because something happened, and it's sad. And this you know this happens. To these people, when they cross that Mediterranean, a lot of them die. To get to Europe, though though their situation is not going to be much better, but they feel it's a lot better than being where they were because there's either life is very bad. You know, um, there was an episode I saw uh, one time. This guy, this um, Arab Israeli, he says he's Palestinian, and he was on a vacation in uh i think malta it was malta and it was um he went to uh he needed something for his iphone and in the uh, the store there was this uh arab man and of course uh he was able to reckon they were able to you know recognize each other as middle eastern but the man who was there was very high or very drunk and he was from libya and he spoke to this uh, Arab-Israeli guy in Arabic, and they got into. The, he got angry with him because he's he, all he heard was Israeli. To him, this guy was a Jew, and he started screaming at him and saying to him, "It's because of you, you and America and everything." The guy it turns out the man, he was a Libyan. He was an, he was a, he was from Libya, and he used to work for Gaddafi. He was one of Gaddafi's enforcers, one of Gaddafi's right. And now he lost everything because Gaddafi is gone. And now he, he, he had to leave Libya because his life was in danger because he did bad things for Gaddafi so he can be up on the pay scale. He can live better. And now the very thing he served is gone. And all the people who he hurt are now out to get him. And so... Now he's living on the streets in uh, in Malta, uh, drinking and using drugs. And basically he's miserable, so he wants to strike at what he believes was the call of, cause of his fall, of the cause of his misfortune. So everything has a chain, a chain reaction. We don't realize it. I'm not justifying the man. I'm just saying is that if things get bad for the West realize that you know much of these big companies because capitalism has some good points but it needs to be capitalism with a morality capitalism with 
uh, you know, with with a with a human conscience, with with dignity. It cannot be capitalism, you know, un, you know, undignified, with no restrictions to it, with nothing to hold it back, and you know, justice, social justice, with good reason, not for the sake of social justice. The same thing, not for the sake of capitalism. It has to. Everything has to be within the law. And within, and also respecting the rights of human beings, I think that's the best way to look at it. Capitalism can be good, but do not let it go out of hand where it destroys people's lives. Uh, social justice is good, but not to the point of, uh, of of an ideology. It has to be done with, I think, with with within good reason, and with some human with the human person in mind, the rights of people. That's about it. So we'll end it with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.